And welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. This is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, YouTube, like and subscribe, Spotify, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, five-star review, say something really nice about me. But more importantly, today, my incredible guest, I have Ish Tanyuri. She's the CEO and founder of Dromos Agency. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you doing? It is a great day to be alive. Thank you so much for asking. I love interviewing people, especially that have awesome stories, especially people that have awesome stories in the Olympic and Paralympic space. For many of you out there that might be listening, no, I used to own a business in the space. I used to have a podcast on the space. So it was awesome when you reached out and I said, you know what? Let's get you on the show too. Not just your athletes. We'll get to them. Don't worry, people listening. We'll get to them. And you too, Ish. Don't worry. We'll get to them. <laughs> But more importantly, today, we get to chat with you. So I'm very, very excited to get to talk to you about your agency, what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it, most importantly, right? What's your why? But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast-ish is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for that uh, introduction. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, you know, really awesome to be here. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot a lot about this question lately, and um I feel like there are so many different ways I can answer the question. Um, but really, I think, um, you know, one that comes to mind um, and it will be kind of more relevant topic for the listeners. It's, um, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, what we're all watching these days, the World Cup. Right. Um, and, you know, there are some distinct memories in my head uh, from my childhood uh, with my family. So I was I was born and raised in, in Turkey. So, you know, growing up with my family, World Cup was such a big deal. You know, family gathering around the TV and watching it all together, uncles and and, and aunts coming together. And um, and then, you know, in 2002, uh, when the World Cup was in South Korea, we took a family trip uh, to Italy. And uh, we were just driving, you know, in the you know windy roads of of, of the Tuscany region, and um, Turkey was um, in the World Cup back then. And you know, believe it or not, we had a fantastic you know team. <laughs> and um, and so I remember, like, with my family, you know, just like trying to find these like cafeterias or these like shacks to be able to watch the games and. And, you know, uh, surprisingly, there were so many of them. And like, there were like these villagers, like a 50, 60, sometimes 100 people just gathering around a tiny TV, and just like watching and cheering on the team and the, on the team. And, and, you know, we were all these strangers, we were probably the only non Italians in that group. And yet, they were just so welcoming and like, come on, like, buongiorno, in their like such Italian, welcoming and warm Mediterranean way. And, you know, we're Mediterranean, so we were all kind of just like, you know, diving into that. And, you know, and uh, there was just so many beautiful memories and like, you know, complete strangers, like hugging each other and just like jumping up and down, you know, ex with so much excitement and singing the national anthem together and, you know, just cursing at the TV or just, you know, I mean, there's just so many emotions that you can think you can you know um just think about and um that to me is definitely a, a a memory that i will cherish for the rest of my life and then fast forward to today when we're you know talking about the you know world cup and you know now being hosted in a in a country like qatar and you know we're seeing um you know there's definitely a sense of um i would say disappointment or or defeat um and you know there are so many questions 
where we're kind of asking to ourselves, like, why was this country even awarded, um, you know, uh, the, the world of hosting the World Cup of something that is extremely important and where, you know, the world stage is, is gathered. And then, you know, there's so much, like so many human rights violations and, you know, everything that I stand for is, is that this country is against and yet, you know, they're hosting it. And yet I find myself tuning in and watching the World Cup. Today, I was watching the highlights of the USA-Wales game. And yesterday, I you know, was watching the Ecuador versus Qatar game, the host country. And, um, and that's because for the love of sports. I mean, you can't really just, you know, um, stay away from the fact that there is there are these athletes who have committed, who have sacrificed so much in their lives to be able to get to the stage and no matter what's going on around them, no matter what the external factors are, what they're doing is is bringing the humanity together. And we're pretty much watching something that is so beautiful, that transcends everything. And, you know, unfortunately, we uh, forget all the other factors that are going around. I mean, we don't forget. It's always in my head. But there's that sense of disappointment and defeat that I was talking about earlier that I can't really help but feel. And, and that's how I'm watching the World Cup, kind of feeling um, and, and thinking about those people who might have lost their lives or who might have sacrificed so much to make this World Cup happen. And meanwhile, still remember the nostalgic days of my childhood and, you know, being in Italy with my family and, you know, hugging strangers together. So that's what sports does to you and it's it's a beautiful thing it's uh it's it can be heartbreaking sometimes it's all of the above <laughs> it it really is and you, you i think you painted those pictures very eloquently and i really do appreciate it because it's so true right i watched the whole u.s wales game right in front of my computer while work on one screen <laughs> yes. the game on the yeah. other right i don't have any problem saying that if my my bosses hear this if they weren't doing the same thing that's not very american of them um but more importantly right it's it's so it is difficult like it's 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 hard to compartmentalize right like it's it's very it's very easy for me to remember like you know, hopefully the Qatari government's not listening to this episode, but I don't really like those people. They don't seem like they're very good people. Like we all know why they got it is because they, they, um, the, the massive amounts of, you know, embezzlement or, you know, paying off the FIFA, you know, those people, I hope they're listening. I can tell them to go screw off because they're the most corrupt right next to the IOPC. We're going to get to that in a second. Ish, don't you worry. But FIFA is probably the other most corrupt, uh, you know, sports organization on planet earth. They got paid off yeah. a lot of money. So then they did put the world cup in an area that we all know is not very great for celebrating humanity, right? Like, Hey, I'm not saying the United States is perfect. Let's be honest, but we could at least celebrate humanity without, you know, all of these awful, you know, um, things happening. But I, I do think then, as you said, there's the other side of it, which the the incredible memories mm-hmm. and the feelings and the emotions, whether good or bad, that come from watching sport. There's literally nothing mm-hmm. like it. And then when you talk about the World Cup, you talk about the Olympics, there's that flag, yeah. right? There's that flag that gets involved. There's one thing for me to be a Mets fan. I was born into it, right? It's it's from my mom, whose mom, whose grandma, right? So there's one thing about being a Mets fan, but there's another thing about being an American or or being from Turkey or being Qatari that it just mean it it means a little different, right? Like it just means something different, and that's why I think the World Cup and the Olympics are just so incredible. Yeah. Because again, we've seen it on the Olympic level too, right? We're we're in Sochi, we're in yeah. Beijing, like we're in areas that we kind of all agree, like. 
what are we doing? Like, why are we sending our athletes here? Why are we, why are we playing these games with people's lives? But at the same time, it usually comes down to money and it usually comes down to who's going to pay the most. And it usually ends up the people that suffer are the athletes that we're rooting for the most. So it's a very, it's, it's a tangled web ish, but we still love it. We still love it, man. And, and, and I mean, uh, let's, let's not forget that these games and these um, sporting events do bring incredible opportunities to these host countries. And it brings a lot of, um, you know, advancement and improvement. I mean, um, you know, I was looking at some stats the other day and, you know, in Rio, yes, there were also incredible amount of, you know, just like bribery and fraudulent events happening behind those events. But at the same time, um, you know, for the first time, you know, Rio as a city or just the country was able to invest in accessibility for people with disabilities and, you know, the awareness um, of, of, you know, people with disabilities just increased tremendously. And, you know, when you look at London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games, you know, the employment rate for people with disabilities after the Games just you know, astronomically improved and, you know, and there are job opportunities for these people. I mean, there's just so much that still goes into it. And, um, and, and that's, that's a positive. Uh, So I think we need to still, you know, continue to celebrate uh, those uh, milestones and those positives while not forgetting that there are a lot of negatives that come with it. Yes, we do have to remember. I always love turning negatives into positives. Now, I don't know how much positives coming out of the Qatari government from this one, but hey, again, that's not my place. I'm not here to argue that fact. I'm here to watch. That's the only positive we can get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple other positives. I'm sure there's a lot of fun. As long as we have a good time, right? (laughs) That's That's half the battle. Um, But no, I think, you know, I think this, this segues really nicely into kind of you as as a person mm-hmm. with your business right we'll get to your business mm-hmm. in a little bit you started dromos agency you work with a lot of paralympic athletes to help tell their yeah. stories uh and help them get paid dollars which they truly truly deserve i want to understand where does your connection to this paralympic olympic movement come from because i think i personally had it right i still have it in some way shape or form not quite as much as mm-hmm. i did but you know that this is changing careers but i'm curious where it comes from for you where you decide hey like I want to. I want to continue to travel down this path. Yeah, a little bit longer. yeah. You know, um, surprisingly, a lot of people think that you know I have like a, a family connection, or you know, you know, someone in my family you know has a disability, and therefore you know I am connected. And I am so passionate, or they might think that I have a disability. Um, you know, for those who are um, you know who can't see, I'm a white female with blonde hair, long hair, and um, I'm an able-bodied individual. And so, um, you know, for me, how it started was, you know, I was always really kind of as a child um, into minority rights, you know, just people like marginalized people. And I would always question why some people um, with... um, with with you know just seemingly in advantageous positions would treat other people in such um you know horrendous ways whether it be for their gender or you know their sexual orientation or you know ability level or you know whatever it may be it just seemed really you know odd and i would i would just remember being 
very visibly upset and just angry and just question um, anything and everything. But again, I mean, up until um, it was it was after after college and, and even throughout college, I was, you know, I thought to myself that I would, you know, become a diplomat or like work in the UN. Like I never really had a connection to the sports or like Olympics or Paralympics. Now, I would watch the Olympic Games and I would I would tell my mom, hey, I want to become an Olympic like figure skater, but like with absolute no talents. <laughs> so, um, you know, it wasn't it was it was after college that I was just frantically looking for a job <laughs> and I happened to, uh, you know, stumble upon this opportunity. It was an internship opportunity that was kind of posted by a, you know, an, an former Franklin Marshall, Marshall alum. That's the college I went to in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, it was this kind of new-ish company, a startup um, in Pennsylvania, in the suburbs of uh, Philadelphia. And um, they, you know, were looking for a marketing position. And it was an internship. And I said, this is, this is like, you know, again, like, what do you do after college? You literally frantically apply to any, anything and everything without really kind of thinking, is this what I want to do in life? Like all that stuff. So I did that and I got the internship and, um, you know, I found out that this company was, uh, had this vision of becoming the first and only healthcare company in the U S, um, uh, specifically urological supplies <laughs> um, to sponsor um, a lot of adaptive sports programs in the country. So I started going to, you know, traveling to different, you know, parts of the country, you know, to Louisville, Kentucky, and, you know, uh, random towns of Illinois and, uh, and, you know, just name it. And, you know, I was kind of exposed, I was exposed to, uh, these incredible sporting events, you know, wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, tennis, like you name it. And it was really through these events where I really, my eyes opened and I'm like, what, what was I doing in my life before? Like, why were these events not present in my life before? And why is there no visibility into this more? And so I started asking these questions. And again, I was kind of like, I became the face of the company. I was traveling a lot to different countries, uh, company, uh, <laughs> states in the country and, um, you know, started making a lot of connections with different athletes and, and everyone. And, you know, every single athlete, um, there was this overarching theme in the questions and in the, in the kind of answers that I was receiving, like, why is this important to you? And they were saying, sports saved my life. And that was because whether they had a, they were born with a disability or they had um, sustained a spinal cord injury due to a car accident or uh, what, or a, a gunshot or whatever it may be, sports saved their life. And so when I was thinking about those like incredibly powerful stories that I was hearing on a weekly basis from all these events I was going to, it just like something about it really, it really kind of like attracted me to it more and more. And I wanted to do more about it. Like, again, just back to what I was saying about me being a child and kind of like not, not happy about what I was seeing with certain like, um, you know, minority groups. And I felt like there was this group um, that needed, that deserved more, but they wasn't getting more. And so um, 
you know, I wanted to use my voice. I wanted to help them out. Um, and so I, you know, started like just volunteering and looking for opportunities and to try, try to find different ways. And, um, but it wasn't really like until real 2016 games that I really, really felt my voice. And that's because I got a chance to travel there and became, um, and, and was able to interview. Wait, let's stop there. Let's uh, let's stop there. I want to get to that part. I have oh, a couple I'm so questions. Sorry. That I I'm so sorry. To... Yeah. No, don't be sorry. What are you sorry about? You're telling Was us an I awesome story. You're going. You're question. rocking. Okay. No, 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 no. You you did great. You're, you're telling me the story. I just want to okay. stop you there so I can <laughs> I ask you a couple there. questions. You're doing great, Ish. You got nothing <laughs> to worry about. Really do appreciate it again. Um, and I think that that's it's really interesting, right? Like as you said, you kind of frantically look for a job you got it and then you were able to uh you know find a new passion yeah. in your life right you kind of always had it but it wasn't quite in the same space and I guess what was it when you're when you're speaking with these athletes and, and you're hearing their stories because I know for me when it was their stories that got me like it was every single athlete story Olympic Paralympic yeah. they have the most incredible stories you know the old podcast that I had our athletes where I would talk to these these athletes mm. they just they did the most amazing things for their country and then their country didn't give a shit at all about them. And it was so sad and difficult to listen to, but it was so incredible how like upbeat and appreciative they still were, which was just, that's a whole nother thing. But I'm curious, like when you're hearing these stories, Oh, the, you know, sports saved my life. Uh, You know, the, the, the opportunity, you know, I can't, can't, can't walk anymore, but at least I can shoot a basketball. Right. When you're hearing these types of stories, does that like, what, you went into it a little bit, but like, what does that do to you? Why does that, like, I can hear that story and think, wow, that like, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to change my career profession, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people probably won't. They like hearing the story on NBC in a four minute package and then kind of move on. What was it about that for you that you were like, let, let me, I kind of want to keep diving down here because there's something here and there's something that I can do yeah, to change. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think it was that, kind of that that drive that I had in uh, within me from again like when I was a kid and perhaps even the combination of like what I had intended to do with my career which was you know being a even like like a human rights activist or you know going you know uh, volunteering with doctors without borders or working in the UN right just I always had that intention in life but uh, it it never really um worked out um but at the same time, I felt like when I found this, it almost was like a blessing in disguise because I was able to pretty much like accomplish, I pretty much combine my two passions in life, which was kind of like storytelling of the human spirit and advocating for like human rights and disability rights. And so when those two worlds collided and those two passions kind of came together, that's when I realized that I could do more with this. But the story is not even that smooth. I mean, I wish it was that that way. I never really believed that I would full-time do this for the rest of my life till very recently. I know we'll get to that, but... I always had that in the back of my head that I want to continue doing this and I will never be able to leave this world. But at the same time, I never believed that that would be something that I would um, be able to really sustain my life with, right? I mean, something got to, you know, I got to be able to pay bills and I never really fully believed that that would become my thing until very recently, so... 
That is awesome. And yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's difficult, right? To, to assume that, that like you found your passion and so many people's passion doesn't really equate to dollars, right? Like it, it doesn't usually work out that well. And thankfully you figured out a way to equate that passion to dollars because you're going to work harder. You're obviously very talented. You're going to push to do what you have to do to not just make dollars and cents for yourself, right? Because if you're not making any money, you can't help any yeah. of the athletes. But you also have to make money for the athletes because if you're not making any money for the athletes, you're not making any money for yourself. So it's a kind of a little bit of a you know hamster wheel, I guess, we can get on. But um, I do want to then... Before we get into Rio 2016, where uh, you know I put it, I don't, I didn't say it before. But you were a journalist, you were a storyteller at the Rio Games. I'm curious. You're starting to meet these athletes. You're starting to learn about these sports, as you said. They've never been prevalent in your life, but you're starting to see them. And you're thinking, oh my god, these are yeah. incredible. Did you have any, maybe not even connection, but any awareness of the Paralympic Games prior to this happening? Because the Paralympic Games have been going on for a little while. By the time we get to 2016, so I'm just curious. Like, did yeah. you? Were you unaware? Did you not pay attention? Did you? Like, I'm just kind of curious where where that yeah. falls into the story. So in uh, 2020, uh, 2012, when I first joined this company that I um, was with for a you know while, um, I remember. So that was the 2012 games, right in London, and I had London. just started my job, <laughs> and I remember um, talking to David Kiley, who then you know, became one of my like longest and my first client ever. So I remember talking to David Kylie on the phone and I have no idea who this guy is, but he introduces himself and, you know, somebody tells me that he was the head coach of the U.S. women's wheelchair basketball team in the London Paralympic Games. And I then also hear that he, um, they came fourth. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's still a, you know, a great accomplishment. So I'm like, you know, I, hey, you know, congratulations, David, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, you should be really proud of yourself. I mean, that's great. I have, you know, I don't know anything. I mean, it's probably my first month or maybe less than a month on the job. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, it's still a big deal. And, <laughs> and so he's like, I still to this day, like remind him of this story. He's like, what are you talking about? Coming forth is something to congratulate no way. Like, you know, it was, it was such a, it was such a disappointment. I cannot believe that we couldn't meddle in the games. And, you know, I mean, he just went on and on about like how disappointed he was. And that was the first day in my life that I realized, you know, this is real com competition. Like there are so many competitive spirits mm -hmm. in these games. And so David Kylie whose nickname he goes by DK and is a very good friend of mine today, he was the first person to really raise that awareness in me. He's like, no, Paralympic Games are competitive and coming forth is not something to be proud of. You should know better. <laughs> so then I started yeah. really reviewing and kind of studying my, my, my homework a little bit better and understood that, yeah, you gotta, you gotta win and you gotta work really hard. And yes, you, you may not always meddle, but if you don't meddle, then you gotta pay respect and, you know, make sure that the other person knows that, that you're still with them and like, it was tough game and everything, but don't congratulate them. <laughs> Well, I would say personally, I would say fourth is an absolute incredible accomplishment. You're the fourth best team in the world at something that is just absurdly amazing. So shout out to them. Uh, they should they should take that because I think that's very important. But I do agree. Like in my in my time interviewing um, 
many different Paralympic athletes, it was always something that most people assume that the Paralympic Games is actually closer to the Special Mm -hmm. Olympics than it is the actual Olympics. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of ignorance on the topic. But the Special Olympics Mm -hmm. is obviously a celebration for people on the spectrum and and really just kind of celebration of life more than anything. And it's kind of a fun event. It's something to do. Like the Paralympic Games is way closer to the Olympic Games to the point where it's extremely cutthroat. Like you can absolutely get cut from the team. Like it's it is. It is intense. These are athletes. Yeah. You know, many of them are athletes that had a, an unfortunate accident. Many of them are athletes that, you know, were, were born the way they were and just they're, they're straight up athletes. Like it is Absolutely. not it is not a whole like a, a rah rah. Let's all let's all be happy. It is yeah. cutthroat. It is it is the Olympic Games just with different athletes. That's the that easiest so way to right. think about and it. So um, it was. Uh, I'm it was so glad you, you pointed out because um, there's a lot of, I think, um, misconceptions about what the Paralympic Games or what the word even means. And a lot of people believe that it is coming from the word paraly- paralysis or paraplegia. But in fact, it's actually coming from the word parallel. So it's parallel to the Olympic Games. And that's why it is called the Paralympic Games. So it has nothing to do with the paraplegia or anything else. And it is, like you said, um, very different from Special Olympics. This is like legit physical, like you are going to crush into someone's wheelchair to make that shot in, on the you know basketball court. You're wearing the same you know Team USA jerseys and you're, you're competing in the exact same fields. And so everything is pretty much equal and the only reason why it's not part of the olympic games and in fact there are some conversations going around whether we should kind of you know uh, combine them but really it's the logistical um reasons i mean there are a lot of different um adjustments and logistical um you know stages that need to be you know changed and whatnot for the paralympic games and that's why they need to just take a a you know a week or two of breaks and that's why the show only starts. Come on, just watch now for the Paralympic Games. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that's incredible. Um, so thank you for the explanation on that. I think that's extremely important for people to understand. And I appreciate that definition, too. I did not know it was parallel. Yeah. Um, that is yeah, new information for everyone. Learn something new every day, right? That's what exactly. we're trying to do. So let's go back to your story a little bit. So 2016, you actually get the opportunity to be a journalist and a storyteller for the Rio Games. Talk to us a little bit about that and how that you know just continued to send yeah, you down this yeah. path. Um, it was an unbelievable opportunity, and I think you know, um, again, I had been you know doing a lot of networking prior to that, and my my good friend Eli Wolf um, had kind of. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to him on the phone one day, and he's also a really um, important figure. He's a former Paralympian, and, and um, you know, he told me that there was, in fact, a position, a volunteer position available on a media organization that he was a part of, and would I like to join? And I think, like, somebody had just had a baby, and they were not able to, um, you know, go. And I'm like, I'll go. Like, take me there, <laughs> like, right now. And so, you know, I was so fortunate to uh, be afforded the opportunity because, you know, I think up until then, you know, 2012 start there and then 2016. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, w- it had been about four years that I was with the company and I had done a lot of, you know, interviews, but, you know, short form, I really hadn't had mm-hmm. a chance to interview like big name Paralympians. And so when I, when this opportunity um, came up, I was like, this is just you know, I, I can't miss this chance. And so I went to Rio. I was, you know, I was staying in this incredibly gorgeous um, apartment in Ipanema, 
so close to the beach and um i mean just the vibe there the beach the weather people just everything is so incredible and the fact that you know i was able to uh, go and you know interview some of the best of the best you know wheelchair basketball uh, players on Team USA, and um, I interviewed Elena Nichols, who's like an idol of mine. She's a um, both a winter and a summer Paralympian, and she was competing for the first time in para canoe, and um, she had come like seventh um, in in that you know in that in her first race, and she was like, "I'm the happiest I can ever be right now," and just to like being able to interview someone that I had looked up to for such a long time. And continue that with that experience with just, you know, meeting so many people and, you know, seeing that there was a very compelling reason for everyone um, to be there, which was just more than just, you know, the games. It was really because of the Paralympic movement that a lot of people that I was meeting um, happened to be in Rio at that very moment in time. And I think that was really powerful. And that's really what separates the Paralympic Games from the Olympic Games. There's just something about it, something that you want to change, that you want to learn, you want to take back to your home country or back to where you live and want to make a change, you know, with the lessons that you learned. And I was in that atmosphere with hundreds and thousands of people who felt the same way. And that was probably the most powerful an unforgettable moment of my life. That is absolutely incredible. Um, just being around people like that, right? And it's not just for a day, right? Some people go to a conference for a day and you get all jazzed up and you go home. You're there for two weeks, as you said, with 100,000 yeah. people. And you get to in- interview and speak with all these incredible athletes and what they do and why they do it. And uh, yeah, getting into that, um, you know, obviously you're already set down that path as we've been talking about this whole time. But then having that kind of a moment must have just opened up the whole world of opportunity totally. to you. To the point of it sounds like wanting to, as you said before, right, and we'll get into it in a minute, but working and and being in this industry for the rest of your life, you're already kind of in it, right? You were doing yeah. some things in it, but then this type of event really opens up and allows you to blossom into figuring out other ways to be in this in this industry. And so you had a couple other positions, you had some other jobs, right? You work with Whoop, you work with DK3, yeah. you're doing some interesting stuff, still with working with Paralympic athletes. But I'm really curious when and how was that first time you decided to, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, fly from the nest, you know, jump out and see if you could fly, (laughs) you know, jump out of the nest, see if you could fly for yourself. Because becoming an entrepreneur, starting your own business, it is not the easiest thing in the world, right? Hopefully you had a couple bucks saved up because those first few months, I remember for me, wasn't the easiest thing to make money, right? Like, so there's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm curious, what was the, was, was there another event or was it a culmination of events that made you say, you know what, like, if I don't do this, if I don't jump, uh, you know, we'll, we'll never actually get to see our full potential. What was yeah, it for you? Yeah. Um, so in 20, so in 2018, I, I, I think that was the first time I flew out of the nest. And that was when I decided that I need to, um, go back to grad school. And so, um, I moved to New York from Philadelphia. I had lived in Philly for six, seven years and, I moved to New York for grad school and I'm in grad school and, you know, meeting incredibly, incredibly smart people and surrounded by professors and, you know, starting to think about capstone project and what it might be. And 
Um, people are saying, you know, you got to really think about it carefully because what it what if it becomes your like business and your career for the rest of your life? And I'm thinking, wow, like you know, this is really cool. I'm actually not sure what that might be. I'm thinking like architectural designs and whatnot. Like actually, this Dromos agency isn't even in the plan yet. <laughs> However, um, I at this point, I think the uh, July of 2018, I for the first time had the courage of. Um, reaching out to uh, my to to David Kiley who I had mentioned earlier and because I had already been kind of helping him out with some of his work and tournaments and branding and whatnot but I felt for the first time that you know since you know I have the courage now I have the skills I am now in grad school and I have now almost seven years of marketing experience you know working for a company and I can do a better job for you and I can grow you a brand that you deserve and you want. And so, um, you know, we created a whole social media strategy for him and he was really kind and he said, yes, let's do it. So that was the first time that I really kind of formalized what I had in mind in terms of passion into something of a potential career path. And man, that just kind of took off. I mean, we started you know, hosting a lot of really cool events. Um, you know, in 2019, we hosted the very first Venice Beach, like three on three wheelchair basketball tournament. And in this, on these iconic, you know, basketball courts in Venice Beach, I'm sure you know. And, you know, it, it was just such a magical moment. And that was my baby. Like, I, I made that happen. And alongside him, there was nobody else helping us out. And so to make that happen really gave me the courage of kind of looking into this a little bit seriously and in 2020 about what to do with with that business plan and and forced to make a decision okay yeah so 20 so 2019 we had the most uh, incredible event in venice beach um, you know on the iconic basketball courts in venice beach with you know, 70 veterans with disabilities coming together and just showcasing an unbelievable amount of talent, skills, strength, and power, and um, athleticism, and and just the camaraderie between them. And so, um, you know, we teamed up with a Venice Ball League, um, you know, with a mouthpiece and being our MC throughout the whole event. And we had a, we had a, you know, rooftop, a cocktail at the hotel or win some just like iconic names like dropping, you know? And um, so that really kind of uh, left a mark on, and not just myself, but on a lot of people. And, and uh, that's when I started hearing some athletes, uh, you know, sharing, Hey, like you should like look into this. You should, you could do something with it. You could, uh, you know, take this to the next level and, you know, either start representing athletes and, or, um, you know, maybe go to an agency or whatnot. And, um, you know, I hadn't necessarily thought of it. I'm like, hey, representing athletes? Like, who am I? Like, I'm not really like, you know, I'm thinking Jerry Maguire in my head. Like, I'm not like that, you know? And so, you know, it was, it was definitely like kind of a scary thought, but at the same time, I'm like, I know what I love doing. I am passionate about helping these athletes and I know I can do a good job with it then why would I not take a like take a leap and and go for it and so 
you know, started working on the on the business plan. Um, obviously, the the pandemic hit, and so everything went virtual. And you know, I'm just kind of struggling to figure out, struggling to find my motivation really. And you know, this is when I moved up to Boston, where my husband already was living, and so I, you know, was kind of doing everything virtual here in in Boston. And um, and you know, I during that time I decided that I wanted to really start kind of like looking into athlete representation. Um, so I had David Kiley with his D- DK3 uh, brand that I had already kind of started and I had some athletes approaching me. And in fact, one of the, you know, best of the best, like wheelchair basketball players uh, had told me, Hey, like if I ever like needed a representation, like I know that you would be the best at it. And so like hearing that from, you know, one of the best names in the game, I was so encouraged and motivated by it. And, um, and so, you know, I started looking into it and everything. And then, you know, obviously, when the Paralympic Games got rescheduled and, and uh, pushed back, I was I kind of felt lost again, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, like, who is gonna pay the bills? And how am I gonna you know, make this a career out of it. And so, yes, there were some opportunities, some potential that I was seeing, and I never wanted to leave it again. And the, the, the overarching theme is that I could never leave what I loved doing. That was the whole thing. And so I then, again, had this thing going on, um, you know, as a, almost like a side hustle. And then I started looking for jobs. And that's when I joined Whoop. And I don't know if you want me to share the story or... If- yeah, I mean, if it's if it's impactful to your story, I want to hear about all of it. So Whoop was uh, very interesting. And this is when I was like really kind of desperate to find a job. Again, kind of like a post-college situation, pandemic. I have to find a way to, you know, I just finished grad school and I feel like I'm, I can do a much better job finding a, uh, finding a job, but I seriously you know, again, the world economy with all the, the job, uh, you know, hiring, you know, pending, uh, it was kind of a similar situation, to be honest with you. And so I ended up um, finding Whoop. I was very fortunate to have found Whoop. And I believed in the mission and the company. Um, but one lesson that I learned from that is never take a step back in your career when you know that your qualifications are so much higher than what it is. And, and yes, there will be some points in your life where you might do that. And, and that's totally okay. But I think for me at that moment, I was too desperate to find a job. And then I guess I wasn't like quick enough to realize that I should have gotten out of the, out of it. And, um, whoop came with a lot of surprises. Um, one of, one of the things was that I think, uh, the company really uh, needed, you know, to develop a membership services team who was going to be taking, you know, care of uh, their members. And, you know, I moved up the ladder really quickly there. I was trained in a lot of different things. And, you know, I was able to, you know, within the team itself, I was able to, you know, show my skills and, and be able to kind of lead teams and uh, started training people. But it was never really something that you know, I had intended to do in my life. It was something completely different. And, and I um, was, I started becoming uh, pretty like upset with myself. Like, why am I doing this? 
Um, and then I realized that, okay, like I can make a change in this company. In fact, from the beginning, I said, hey, there's this amazing product that I know that a lot of Paralympians are using. Let me use my platform. Let me try to find a way to educate these guys to bring awareness within the company that I know can make a humongous impact on uh, the, the lives of these athletes. And so I pushed and pushed. I, find, I, I tried to set up meetings and I did have some really meaningful um, meetings with uh, important people within the company. And in the end, it, it all came down to, yes, this sounds great, but like it's not a prior to us or anything. And finally, the activity was added uh, with my just insistence and just kind of constant pressure on the team. Hey, like at least add um, an activity. They have like hundreds and thousands. They have like an activity for like a sauna or like an ice bath, but like not wheelchair push or something that, you know, is like very, very important for the wheelchair community. And so um, that was finally added like before I left the company. And then I was like, it just seemed like it was a band-aid to the problem and not so much as, as something that, hey, we really want to understand the community. We really want to, um, mm -hmm. you know, be part of their journey. And because of that, I decided that, that was, this was not going to be a long-term uh, career option for me. And that was kind of uh, at the time when the Paralympic Games were starting. This was August of 2021. And I had already restarted receiving some you know, requests from Paralympians reaching out to me. Hey, like, I need a representation and everything. Are, are you down for that? And so here I am kind of taking, um, you know, the only weekday during my whoop times to be able to grow my agency. Again, never stopped doing that. And I'm so glad I didn't because through that, I was able to continue to grow, continue to network with athletes. And then when the time came uh, for me to say goodbye to whoop, I was at a position where I was able to really kind of scale my business and grow um, quickly. And, um, you know, to this day, I'm so, so thankful for that opportunity to be able to kind of just say, you know, I'm going to do this on my own. Was I not scared to death? I was absolutely terrified. It was not an easy decision. And um, it definitely came with a lot of risks. And um, I'm just so uh, fortunate to have an incredibly supportive, you know, uh, you know, network and a family around me that said, you know, you need to find a way to do what you do best and to do what you love the most and what makes you the happiest. And that's when uh, I had to believe in myself and believe in the agency that I had kind of uh, started, you know, uh, working around. And, and, you know, it's been over a over two years now, and I'm uh, so happy with the decision I made, the, with the, all the decisions that I made in my career throughout the years. Exactly, right? You had to have that opportunity at Whoop. You had to do all these things to get to where you are now. So be grateful for everything. You know, at the time, maybe it was looked at as yeah. a setback, as you said, or maybe at the time, you know, at the end of it, you're kind of a little sour on it. Obviously, you made some strides, which is awesome. But again, it wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it got you to exactly right here, which is the most important part. And we could be grateful for every single step along the way, because if you didn't take all those steps, you wouldn't have made it to right here. So uh, things would have been different butterfly effect, right? I think that's always very important. Totally. And, I, and I think, you know, it's it's it was a necessity, right? I, I did the exact same thing, right? So as the games were canceled slash postponed, um, 
I had to go out and uh, find a way to make money because I was unable to help these athletes that I was representing in the Olympic space, Paralympic Olympic space, and I was not able to secure any deals for them, so I wasn't making any money. This then led me into a different path. Yeah. That path led me down a completely different career, um, but I'm extremely grateful for it because I absolutely love what I'm doing. I loved what I was doing then. I'm extremely grateful for everything that I did because it got to me, got me to here which is where I am now, which I'm extremely grateful for as well. But I've had the podcast the entire time. The podcast has been a constant, which I think is extremely important, right? Yeah. So we're always doing something. Um, and, and I think, right, like, Ish, I think it's, it's really important for people to understand that. And I think it's awesome that you were able to walk us through that story and, and to where you are now, which is you own, you operate, you run an agency, you work with countless Paralympic athletes, and you're helping them share their story and tell, uh, tell, tell the world what they're about, help them get them on stage. You're doing so many incredible things. So uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about your agency, some of the athletes that you're working with. What does Dromos mean? Like, mm. I'm curious, what, what language is that from? It doesn't sound English, but I could be wrong. Um, tell us a little bit more about the agency and, and you know, what you've been able to build so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Dromos uh, is, is a Greek word, and it means a journey and road in Greek. Uh, wow. That is uh, pretty, pretty spot on, don't you think? I wanted to really... Uh, find a word it's funny how you like i remember the exact day the exact time and place i was in trying to find the name for, for my company you know how it works and and it was you know just a really uh, going through all these like potential names that had made the final list uh, for my for the agency and i kept coming back to the name dromos because it, it truly represents um the not only you know the athlete's journey but my journey right it's it's a it's a culmination of journeys really and i think um you know these athletes have overcome so much to be at where they are and uh, their journey is never never over it's a continuous struggle and a continuous just uh, just hustle and hustle and and same with me. I mean, it, my life and my journey has been um, a hustle and a grind and trying to find the right things and the, meet the right people and finding the right opportunities. And so, um, you know, so that name uh, really uh, kind of stood out for me. And, you know, it's it's so we are a, a Allen a athlete marketing uh, talent and, and talent management agency. But we're all, we're really more than that as well. I mean, we not only yes team up with athletes to represent them to get them to where they want to be in their careers, finding the right uh, you know partnerships for them, you know finding the right brands to be able to team them up and um, and and kind of you know make work happen. But we're also about kind of giving them a platform and amplifying their voice when it comes to the Paralympic movement and Paralympians. Again, back to the very beginning of the story when I was so fascinated and kind of angered by the fact that these athletes were nowhere to be found and nobody knew about them. And and th I think that kind of I channeled that energy into my business. I want these athletes to be known worldwide, like period. And I'm going to do anything and everything until you give me an opportunity to showcase my athletes' talents on the biggest channel or, you know, the biggest stage of the world, right? So I'm relentless about that. I am so determined to make that happen for every single one of my athletes because it is truly 
a, a, a passion of mine. And so when it comes to finding, um, again, the media opportunities, interviews and giving them, giving my athletes kind of social media consulting, giving them, uh, you know, ways, tips to grow their brand, right? That's also extremely important. So um, these are some ways that I'm helping. And again, I feel like every with every new year, there are new opportunities or new um, ways I'm doing my job. Like I started also hosting, not hosting, but like editing and producing a podcast for one of my athletes. Why? Because we couldn't host events for two years and we needed to engage our fans. And what do you do? You host a podcast. And that podcast has now grown to almost 25 episodes. And I'm so proud of that. It's very hard work. So kudos to you for everything that you're doing on your podcast and, you know, finding the right content, finding the right guests. But so now, you know, I've grown a skill on you know, helping produce and edit and promote a podcast, Um, you know, event planning and brand planning. Again, it was, you know, I think, you know, that has been definitely a, 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 a skill that I have kind of taken from my previous job, but it has grown exponentially. And so I'm so um, proud and um, very, very fortunate to have been trusted by these athletes with their brands, with their careers, with their lives, really. They're saying, Hey, like, I'm giving myself to you. Like, do what you got to do in order to take me to, like, where I want to be. It's it's difficult and it's a very big challenge, but it's an extreme honor to uh, be entrusted with such an important and meaningful work. And, you know, I, I take it very seriously. It sounds like it. And I love the passion. I love the energy. I love the excitement that you get when you talk about this, right? That's always something. The reason why I started this podcast, the number one reason overall, right? I started it with the Olympic athletes. But the number one reason was I want to listen to people who are passionate. I don't care what you're talking about, but if you're passionate about it, that's going to get me jazzed up. That's going to get everybody that's listening jazzed up and yeah. excited and interested. Because I remember the first time I heard someone that was extremely, extremely passionate about something, I couldn't care less about the topic. I was just so enthralled with the story and what this guy was talking about and why he loved what he was doing so much. And that is what gets me up. So I do appreciate you, Ish, for allowing me to have this conversation with you because that is what gets me so excited is to listen to people like you and what you do and how you're helping others. And especially because it's also in the world of sports, which I think is awesome. And and being able to to start this agency and learn all these new skills and do all these new things, I mean, it's great. It sounds like you are making a couple of dollars. It sounds like you are helping a lot of these athletes, but where's what's the evolution look like? Where, where does it, I mean, this is never going to end. How many full-time employees are you going to have? How big do you want your roster to be? What is, what does that look like when we look for five years, 10, 15, 20 years in the future, and we can start to see the legacy that you've been able to build and the foundation and the houses and everything. What does it look like to you? Oh my gosh, that is such a difficult question. Um, It is, I feel like uh, it's, it's just a lesson learned every single day. And it's, uh, I mean, I have grown this business, um, you know, since 2021, like since last year, um, I was fortunate to grow my business by 50%. This Congrats. And I am just like in awe of, of, of everything that we were able to accomplish and, and my athletes, you know, being uh, just incredible athletes and, 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 you know, just, uh, taking their jobs so seriously and uh, not just they're on the field or on the court, but also when it comes to sponsorships and appearances, right? They're such good 
motivational speakers and such good like um, public speakers and that really helps that's like a value proposition for any athlete that you want to represent and um but what the future looks like yeah i mean i want to i want to grow this internationally to be honest with you i want to be able to you know represent athletes from all over the world and um obviously that comes with a lot of challenges in terms of like knowing the culture knowing the market knowing the the contract laws and everything but i think it's doable and i think it's um it comes down to finding the right partners finding the right people who will who you will kind of surround yourself with and um and i think that that's definitely doable right now i'm solo i have freelancers who are helping me out with certain things here and there um and as i grow my business and as i grow um you know as i get more and more opportunities i think there will be a time where i'm going to have to hire a a full time or maybe potentially start with a part time and turn into a full time that is a scary thought i won't lie because now yes right now your own life is like you are responsible for yourself but when you start to become responsible for other people that is when you know shit gets real <laughs> <laughs> and uh so you have to be really careful and i think that is a decision that needs to be taken really seriously i don't want to take it i don't want to take it prematurely so i want to ride this out as long as i can until there comes a point where i know that me being solo is a hindrance to the growth of my business um and so that's when i think i will uh, make the decision to you know further further grow and hi- start hiring people but i think the important part is of what you're doing now and 50% increasing your business 50% is incredible mm-hmm. so kudos and congratulations for that that is amazing and mm-hmm. hopefully you can do another 50% next year and another 50% the year after that that would be that's a business model i'm sure people want to invest in so i think that, that part's pretty impressive my business plan and uh, when i was writing at, at nyu let me tell you that that's way better than i thought it, it that i had ever imagined so thank you so much i really appreciate that and please the only thing, the only way you can thank me more is just don't let your foot off the gas. Just keep the pedal down and keep it going. I think that's the important part. But Ish, this has been amazing. Just getting to learn your story and what you're doing and why you're doing it, how you're helping these athletes. I'm so excited. We're going to get to have some of these athletes come on yeah. the show eventually. We're going to start scheduling some of that out so you guys and girls listening, you'll be able to hear some of these amazing athletes that Ish is talking about. But if they just want to learn more about you, about your business, about what you're doing, where could uh, where could people find a little bit more about you? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, you know, Dromos app, Dromos agency, uh, and you know, my agency website is www.dromosagency.com, and you know, all my athletes are listed there as well. And each one of my athletes have their own websites, and I think you can, you know, find a like a link through their websites through my website. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much. This was so fun. And, um, and it also gave me an opportunity to kind of reflect on my own journey. I don't get to do this much. In fact, I think this is my first time being a guest on a podcast. So I really do appreciate the, the opportunity to um, just talk a little bit about what I do, what I'm passionate about and, and, and why I do it. And I think that's really uh, what it's all about. And it's for the love of sports. That's what it is. And as I said before, this is my favorite part of it. So I appreciate you giving me some of your time. But, um, you know, sincerely, thank you so much. I'll make sure uh, in the show notes for everybody on YouTube on on the podcast, you'll be able to click on any of those links. So you can go check out some of those websites, some of those uh, Instagram feeds and see what Ish and her team 
are up to, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and all the passion that comes through. I think that part's important. And yes, time is the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you, Ish, for giving me some of yours. Thank the, I thank the audience for giving me some of theirs to hang out with us today and listen to this great conversation. I know I had a blast. I hope you did. I hope they did listening in on this as well. But other than that, I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Thanks, Ish. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. And happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes. It's a couple days before Thanksgiving. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.